Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we, year by year, explore the movies, music, and TV that most evaded our lives. I'm your host, Rod, and I'm joined by... The fantabulous, amazing, breathtaking, but, you know, still allowing you to breathe. Hi, I'm Jess. I think, uh, like, moving forward, I'm going to come up with a topical name for myself. So this episode, I am the... The pooies? I'm silly old bear, Rod. (laughs) (laughs) Please do this. Yeah. I 100% agree with this. Yeah, you also have to come up with your own nickname as well. You, you did a pretty good job today. I'm, I'm, re- I'm neither red nor a dwarf. There you go. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm not going to call you a name. Uh, Helly, hi. Welcome to Media Made. Um, this is a show where we, year by year, go through uh, like the types of media that we saw or consumed the most. So this episode is the... Uh, Year of Our Lord. 1988. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about TV of 1988. So what Jess and I have done is we have taken a, li- uh, we've taken a look at all of the television shows that debuted in the year 1988. Uh, we're talking American TV, British TV, Japanese TV. We looked at a list of all of them. We mm-hmm. did not watch all of them. Instead, no. we chose which one each of us have seen the most. Yeah. Um, and we watched the first episode together, and now we're going to talk about it. Because these are shows that... Have ins- some sort of impact on the person that we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, for better or worse. Yeah, and that, you know, that arbitrary time period that is a year, you know? What is 1988, if not young 1989? <laughs> Let's hit you up with some quick facts about 1988. One, Ronald, there's two eights. Ronald Reagan <laughs> is no longer... Well, you know, he was president up until 1989, but yeah, he uh, we had an election that year, I believe. Ah. Uh, good old George H.W. George H.W. Was elected president. That's all about all I know from 1988. Was there an Iranian-Contra affair going on? I don't know. I don't know. I was, I was... conceived in 1988. Hey, there you go. Was I? I think, yes. yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this is this is TV, and uh, what we've learned throughout this entire experiment is there's a, a wide gap between my taste and Jess's taste, especially with 80s stuff, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's like, the the 80s media that I consumed the most was kid stuff. Is like, as a kid, it was just kind of like I was force-fed entertainment from the 80s, uh, and it was timeless enough where I didn't know what time period it came from. I just, it was all new to me. Yeah, sure. So, so we got more of that, and Jess has... Uh, <laughs> a little some, some compl- a little, something completely very, different. Very different. At all. I, there... Children's shows for me do not pop up until the um, when 2010s. No, there's kid stuff in, in the 90s that we'll be talking about. Okay, fair. Yeah. But, but definitely 98. But this is 1988, so mm-hmm. we're going to start out with my show of 1988, and uh, I'll go ahead and get started on this. So, debuting January 17th, 1988, like beginning of the year, Yeah. on the Disney Channel, featuring the voice talents of Jim Cummings, John Fielder... Paul Winchell and Ken Sampson, based on the popular children's books by A.A. A. Milne, we have The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Where she's lip syncing it. Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh Bear, is looking for fun. Oh gosh. Right, but. Before we even started talking about this show, can I just say this song is the devil? <laughs> it is such an but earworm. But he's just looking for fun. It, 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 it 
I collected these clips, we watched the cartoon, and I can't stop singing it. That's very true. I get in the car, Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh. It's, it's, it's getting ready for work. It just keeps happening. Heating up lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 there's some kind of uh, uh, dark magic imbued <laughs> with that melody where it's like, it, it's stuck. It's like that, that scene. It's bardic from, magic it's in the like, form of a, a stuffed bear. Yeah. It's like uh, that that uh, song from Inside Out, the the the. Oh yeah, the, the like yeah, gum the, song. Yeah, the Pixar movie about emotions and, and a kid's brain. And, mm-hmm. Like there's just jingle that's constantly popping up. That, that's this Pooh Bear song. It won't <laughs> stop. Uh, man, but yeah, this is uh, New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I have a lot of history to get into, but uh, did you watch the show as a kid? No, never. Um, I'm sure I probably like caught an episode when I was babysitting someone, maybe, but I was babysitting there. Did you watch the like original cartoons? No. Really? Not even like the original theatrical cartoon? No. Why are you always surprised? You know know. I am not a Disney kid. But like (laughs) Noini the Pooh just didn't penetrate your your world at all? I didn't really know. I was like, when was my first introduction to Winnie the Pooh? And I think like one of my friends had like a Winnie the Pooh backpack. And I was like... (laughs) What's that dog? <laughs> oh gosh, the yellow dog. I mean, I mean, Pooh Bear doesn't have a dog. Friend. Isn't the dog in Garfield yellow? There are yellow dogs yeah, in the yeah, world. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also the rabbit in this show was purple. No, I know he's green. Oh, he's green. Yeah, uh, uh, green rabbits. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I de- like definitely watched this show as a kid. Um, like it was just on all the time. Like it was, it debuted as like a cart- uh, a Saturday morning cartoon. But like when I was growing up, it was on the afternoon on the Disney Channel. So like I think we talked about this with Ducktales. I remember coming home from school uh, and doing my homework while the TV was on, and I would watch Gilligan's Island. <laughs> I would watch like whatever Disney afternoon cartoon was going on at the time. So like the Timon and Pumbaa show mm. or the Aladdin show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Pooh Bear was also this. I just remember sitting in my like desk in my room or somewhere, wa- like doing my math homework and listening to the like freaking Pooh Bear song. Yeah, yeah. I like even as you're saying like, I remember catching a couple episodes of animated Aladdin or never actually the Timon and Pumbaa one. So I'm like, did I watch? No, but I didn't. I have no memories of Winnie the Pooh. And luckily, if my mom listens to this, she's not on social media, so she can't correct me, and nobody will know. <laughs> to be fair, I don't... Re- There's only one episode I actually remember before we watched this pilot for this for this show here. Um, I We had a... I think it was... It must have been a taped episode. Like, mm. we, we just taped it on the VCR. Like, I don't think they sold it, you know? Um, but it was one episode, and it was an episode that my my cousin always wanted to watch. So like, every time he come to the house, he's like, "Hey, do you have that Winnie the Pooh?" And we'd watch this cartoon over and over again. And it was like an episode where they're trapped in the attic during a like a thunderstorm, and they're mm-hmm. all sad and, and and scared. And they decide that they're going to have like a fantasy adventure with inspired by chess pieces. So every character it takes on the role. Chess. It, it's it's sort of like they all went on a LARPing adventure in the attic. Huh? <laughs> yeah, like uh, Pig, Piglet. Piglet was the uh, was the knight, and he mm. had to save the day. And Eeyore was an evil dragon. Oh, yeah. His evil power was depression. Something, something <laughs> like that. He, he didn't want to participate, so he just like 
the whole episode while they're doing it, they're just like, what is that terrible noise? And it's like a dragon sighing, like, uh. <sighs> yeah, they're like oh, it's terrifying. I've watched pure. that episode. Yeah, no, it's, that's that's the only one I remember. <laughs> but yeah, this the Winnie the Pooh. It's thing <laughs> that we watched. Hit me with some history, hot man. Yeah, so Winnie the Pooh. Uh, before this show debuted, had a sixty like, was at sixty years old at the time. Pooh Bear was an old boy. <laughs> <laughs> so from he's an antique. Yeah, <laughs> a so, family heirloom. You're you're not wrong. Uh, from 1925 to 1928, English author and poet A. A. Milne. I think that's how you pronounce that. If not, Ah uh, Mill. <laughs> don't know. A. A. Milne. I don't know. Published various stories about a teddy bear named Winnie the Pooh, inspired by his son Christopher Robin. Oh. Yeah, and his various toys. So, like all of the all of the ty- like the stuffed animals in Winnie the Pooh were just this kid's toys. So what you're saying is the books are just D and D. Well, he, he <laughs> self inserted like... his kid. Uh... <laughs> Christopher Robin's a, a, a Mary Sue. <laughs> you see, the bear was named after Winnie, a Canadian black bear who uh, the. The Milnes often saw at the London Zoo, and Pooh, a swan they had met while on holiday. <laughs> Which is a very British thing to say. Imagine. Wow. We met a swan on holiday, and we named him Pooh. Just, uh, <laughs> okay. If I met a swan, I'd be running the other way, not giving it a name. <laughs> are swans dangerous? Geese are. All birds with wing sizes as big as a, an adult man. Honk. Uh, no, you don't mess with them. You walk away. Before they see you, because they have evil in those beady little eyes. You're right. That's that's why there's no birds in uh in Winnie the Pooh. That's true. There's no. There's oh, there's owl. Oh yeah, he sleeps, but when he wakes up, he would pick up Piglet and eat him. <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, I love that. <laughs> so in 1961, Walt Disney uh, bought the rights to Winnie the Pooh, and uh, that resulted in three Disney theatrical shorts from 1966 to 1974. Uh, these are the classic ones, like Bustly Day or whatever. I don't mm. the one where the Pooh has to like he ties a a balloon to his tummy and floats up to get some honey from a honey tree. Um, I feel like I've seen the image of that. Yeah, it, it's iconic. The Heffalump and Woozles. I have no idea what what are what. They're like things that he's scared of in the night. I think Hef- you just may have made Heffalumps up and Woozles. I feel like you're tongue tripped. <laughs> Are you trying to say something? That's also the episode with Tigger. Tigger debuted in that one. Tigger debuted in the episode we saw. Oh, you mean classic stuff? Yeah, classic. Yeah, this is all old, like the the original, yeah, the original shorts from the 60s and 70s. Got it. So um, those were a huge hit. Um, They were eventually collected into their own movie, like all three uh, shorts kind of stitched together with some, you know, original content kind of strung along in there. Uh, and that was called The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and that was released in 1977. And, hot take, I think it is in my top five favorite Disney movies of all time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Does that mean I have to watch it one day? Are we going to have, like, a night of I, your top five movies? Maybe. No, I don't want to. Well, I was going to say, if we ever go back <laughs> in time and do uh, media made for the, the 70s, like... I don't think Winnie the Pooh beats out Star Wars for 1977, so that's me making a bold prediction. I think Star Wars wins. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, in 1983, Disney brought Pooh Bear to TV with the show Welcome to Pooh Corner. It was like a puppet show. Now, did you, you didn't the want puppets terrifying? That yes, sounds yes. Like it's there, there's like a, a, from what I understand, there is a a, a universal uh, fear 
that was created from this show. <laughs> Not for me. I don't remember being scared of the show. But I think Welcome to Pooh Corner is the first TV show I consciously remember watching. Really? Yeah. So I I like can picture the day. It was like a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. And I remember my parents putting on the TV... And that was like the first time I ever watched the Disney Channel, and that was the first show that I remember seeing. It's literally like people in costumes and people with puppets doing Winnie the Pooh stuff. Okay, so it's not like marionettes. No, no, it's like hand puppets, I believe. But yeah, maybe. No, I'm just seeing. A, I, I've Googled it, and I'm just seeing a live action with someone in a Winnie. Show, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like you a can mix. See their eyes. <laughs> it was like a mix it. between. Puppets and live action costumes uh, and just stuff like that. It, it was like 1980s. This was like the end of the variety show thing. That's terrifying. I don't She's like looking it. at this crazy picture of Pooh. There's a video. I'm not clicking it. No, don't. So, uh, yeah, that was Welcome to Pooh Corner. And that was Disney's first Winnie the Pooh TV show. As terrifying as it was, it became the highest rated program on the Disney Channel. Oh. At the time. Um, so... Kids had no taste. Yep, and so it only <laughs> it only made sense that Disney would produce more poo content for TV, right? Yeah. We talked about the history of, like, the Disney company in our 1988 movie episode when we mm-hmm. talked about Oliver and Company. So if you want to hear more about, like, Disney as a company, go back and listen to that. But Michael Eisner had just stepped in as the CEO. The man had high ambitions, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it was like, when he first came in, it was like, well... Movies are making us no money, and TV is, like, the hot business. So Let's just make more focus, TV. Yeah. yeah Which, and, in the long run, right, wasn't a bad... No, it was good, and it, it resulted in, like, the, the Disney afternoon and, and, and DuckTales. We talked about that in 1987 mm-hmm. TV. Um, but before even the Disney afternoon in the late 80s, um, Disney was already trying to produce, um, like, Saturday morning cartoons for other networks. Mm-hmm. So an animated Pooh show... In, in the same vein as the original shorts, uh, was originally proposed by Walt Disney Television Animation Vice President Gary Crystal, uh, who cited the merchandising potential, which is so <laughs> so on brand for them. He's like, We're gonna make us a lot of money. Oh man, why um, did that immediately trigger <laughs> a a memory of Spaceballs? Look at all the merchandising! Merchandising. Oh, uh, yogurt shirts everywhere! Well, like, the 80s was all about commercialism, so it makes total sense. Oh, like, man. think about the TV shows on the 80s at the time. He-Man, Transformers. Yeah. It was like, they're just long commercials for toys. Yeah, that's fair. G.I. Joe. Um, so, I'm sure Disney was like, cha-ching! <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, we'll get him on, we'll get him on backpacks. We'll get him on lunchboxes. <laughs> we'll, we'll sell them Winnie the Pooh, uh... Stuffed animals there, you know, like it was cutthroat. Oh man, yeah. So, Mark Saslov, a writer of the DuckTales pilot, which we watched, um, mm-hmm. was brought on to develop a pitch for the Winnie the Pooh show and was ultimately named co producer of the show. Good job, Mark. Yep, that so the Winnie the, the New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh was sold directly to ABC because Disney realized that they had already sold Saturday morning cartoons to NBC and CBS, so they sold Gummy Bears to NBC. And the Wuzzles to, to CBS. And they were like, well, let's just spread the love around. ABC, you get one, too. Like, just, like Disney had their, their, pardon my pun, they had their hand in every honeypot. Boo. <laughs> like, also, you said Care Bears wrong again. No, well, Gummy Bears. I'm telling you, it's a real show. No. <laughs> gummy Bears. That's probably, I, I, like, that's a better theme song than the Winnie the Pooh song, but not as catchy. Lukewarm take. <laughs> 
Yeah, so basically ABC was like, okay, yeah, we'll get we want this this Winnie the Pooh show and Disney was like, yes, yes, but at the same time there was like this internal debate between Disney executives were like, well, we have the Disney Channel now. Why would why don't we just debut shows there? True. And huh. but but you know, I think other businessmen were like, but that network money, <laughs> that commercial money. Cuz like honestly, like you get more ratings in, on the networks than you do on cable anyway. Um so a deal was struck where Episodes would first air on the Disney Channel, but then eventually make their way to ABC. So, ABC was the first Hulu. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> It'll be there a day later. Yeah, that's kind of what it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I didn't watch Saturday morning cartoons until I was like... Junior high. A little, little younger than that, I would say. Like maybe oh, fifth fair. grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth or fifth, yeah. I, I don't know. Power Rangers was definitely a big thing. But that's not a cartoon. To me, it was like Pokemon. Pokemon was the reason I watched Saturday morning cartoons, to be honest. Sailor Moon. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you so, were not one of... You didn't even watch DBC until much later. That's also true. Mm. Um, so anyway, ABC pushed Winnie the Pooh hard, placing ads in primetime and other high-traffic uh, time slots. So they were like, marketing Winnie the Pooh to adults who are watching TV in primetime, hoping that their kids would watch. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And uh, famously, a television commercial aired during the ABC Sunday Night Movie on September 4th used the tagline, quote, Before taxes, before puberty, there was childhood and Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh, no. That's a, that's a Can we have that on a shirt? Can we put that on, like, a mat and put that in front of our door? <laughs> before taxes, before puberty, there was childhood and Winnie the Pooh. I want it. <laughs> I don't like Winnie the Pooh, but that... Excellent. Terrible marketing. I feel like... Terrible marketing, but excellent tagline to have people step like, I, on. I kind of want to see, like, a demotivational poster, like one of the old <laughs> ones you'd see, like, on the internet. Like, I want to see that with that quote and, like, one of those, like, bootleg Pooh Bears. There's, like, that that really funny... It, it gets memed a lot now, but it's, like, that one frame of Winnie sitting in his chair, like, like look like he's high and thinking. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, when you said demotivational, I just thought you were doing it back, which I, I also think is excellent. Just <laughs> after Winnie the Pooh, after childhood, after puberty, there are taxes. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. I like it. <laughs> and that's that's Winnie the Pooh. You know, that's that's how the new Adventures of Winnie the Pooh were started. It was pretty straightforward. Uh, Disney yeah. saw the money, and the money was made. <laughs> and that's how they pay their taxes yeah. with Winnie the Pooh. So uh, let's let's jump into this episode. So with these TV episodes, we only watch the pilot because watching uh, more than that would be insane. Too and much. You, you don't want to hear about the whole show. We'll, we'll talk about where the show went from here if there's anything interesting. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first episode of The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh was called Pooh Ought to Be in Pictures. <laughs> Which is a very old Hollywood title, is it not? Yes. I just don't like it. Um, Pooh. Ought to be in pictures. <laughs> I get it. Pooh Bear ought to be in pictures. Pooh with an H ought to be in pictures. Okay. Um, yeah. I've never... Is it? Is there an H at the end of yeah, this thing? Yeah, P-O-O-H. Oh. Yeah, I obviously have never even looked <laughs> at the title for that. But them. everyone... That's the thing. It's like everyone calls Pooh, Pooh, right? Mm-hmm. They don't call him Winnie. I don't think they say like, oh, that's... I just say that's Pooh Bear. That's not Winnie. Yeah, that's fair. It's good to Winnie. <laughs> that's... Maybe I mean, in Britain they do. It's a very British thing to say. Winnie. I'll ask my British friends. I'll get back to you. All right, so Pooh ought to be in pictures. I have a pretty good clip to introduce us to all that and to the characters that we all know and love. Okay. Christopher Robin, are you sure heroes always wear white scarves? They do in the movies, Pooh Bear. 
The white scarf makes them heroes. The wolf! You may be the hero in this picture, buddy bear, <laughs> but I'm gonna be the monster. And, uh, and, uh, oh, what sort of monster might that be, Digger? <laughs> I'm not telling. It had ruined the surprise. You want to you tell us who we just heard from? We heard from Christopher Robin. Uh-huh. Little boy Christopher Robin. We heard from <clears throat> Winnie himself. Winnie the Pooh. We heard from a small little piglet. Piglet. Pig light. Pig light. <laughs> light pig. Yeah, yeah. And we heard from a T.I. double gur er. There you go. So yeah, that's that's the that's pretty much the main cast of the first episode. Then we get introduced to a few other famous Winnie the Pooh characters later just on. One. Yeah, basically just one. <laughs> the main premise of this episode is it's all movie mm-hmm. related, so everything they do just happens like it all culminates in them wanting to make a movie themselves. With, like, yeah. Like an old camera. Yeah. Christopher Robin pulls out like a legit film camera. Oh yeah, <laughs> like rich boy. Yeah, and then they want to make a movie out in the woods. Um, before we get into this episode, I just want to, <laughs> hey kids, you know how we normally do this. We've already watched and listened to all the stuff on our list, and now before we shoot and ep- do an episode, we go back uh-huh. and we do it again to just refresh ourselves. I don't think I watched this episode. You did. I think he has tricked me into watching two episodes because I don't remember. We sat down to watch this and I was like, we have not seen this before. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, the thing is so forgettable. Yeah. It's so forgettable. Like, the first half is definitely super forgettable. The only part I remember, which we'll get to, is tear falling in a hole. Everything before that and after that was new. (laughs) So uh, let's start from the beginning. So we're introduced to Christopher Robin at the very start, because Christopher Robin, uh, this whole world takes place in his imagination, um, and uh, he's running, like, he's having, like, a daydream where he's running from a monster in, like, a very, like, Frankenstein kind of way, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, his mom inserts herself in and, and, you know, get basically drags him out of the daydream because he has important things he has to do. Eat his veggies. Christopher Robin. Could you please come out and eat your vegetables? Oh, Mom. Carrots are so, so yucky. True. But they're very good for you. And we did have a deal, which is you finish your vegetables and you can go to the movies. Like, why is the, I don't know. Like, do you, would you cook vegetables that you yourself did not like for your uh. kid? So this is, okay. I actually, like, when I was watching this, I was like, Good job, mother. Because I, I do think there's sometimes when we're like, no, you have to eat it. It's good for you. Even if we don't. It's like, I hate carrots. Me, personally, carrots are disgusting. People say they're sweet. You're a liar and your mouth is broken. I don't like steamed carrots. I like, I'll, I'll eat a raw carrot once in a your while. Your mouth is broken. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, I think, like, there's, a, but, like, tastes change, right? Like, so I feel like I probably would say, no, you have to eat this at least two different times. To see that you really don't like it. And then I'm not going to force you to. But you're eating vegetables. So you better find something you find least disgusting. Because, right? Like, Brussels sprouts. Because we cook them a lot in this house. We, we, we enjoy our Brussels we sprouts. Enjoy, yes, we do. So, kid, get on the page. Your parents are cool. <laughs> um, so, they, you you heard the ultimatum there. It's, it's Christopher Robin has to eat his carrots or he won't be able to go to the movies. Uh, luckily, he powers through. <laughs> chows, all, chows those carrots down. He eats them all in one bite. And uh, he gets to go to the movies. Random, not on topic. Uh-huh. This is one of the cartoons where the adults' faces aren't shown. Yeah, this is true. 
was it like I, so my brain is like I only no, I no, no. They, they do show a character's face and they do face, yeah. they do during a song bit okay because yeah. I was just like how far back does that go which I guess Charlie Brown because they had they yeah. didn't even have faces they just had off screen wonka wonka yeah wonkas. and then like um same with uh, uh like Tom and Jerry like all the the humans were like seen from the you know the the legs yeah it, legs down yeah, because I guess perspective. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just, I, I wonder at, like, why the choices for that? Not, like, just, not that it was, well, like, I'll tell you one, less, less drawings, less money. <laughs> Fair. You don't have to, like, this is a specific character who says, like, it's just the back of her head all the time. Yep. Okay. So they go to the movies, and uh, you, you, you learn a few things about these characters. For one, you learn that Piglet... Who is, for some reason, the star of this episode, in a way. He's the secret star. He is. Uh, he, is af- he is afraid of monster movies. Remember, Piglet, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. It's only a m- m- movie. Remember, Piglet. <laughs> oh, it's only a movie. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, Piglet is terrified, doesn't want to go to the monster movie. All the other characters are like, oh, come on, it's, it's, it's just a movie. And Tigger is like all about it. And then, and then Christopher Robin walks up and he's got a bunch of food in his hand. And he drops it all. Because <sighs> he's a bad kid. This book is titled <laughs> Bad Kid. Because what his mom is like, we're, he's not supervised. That's true. He is an unaccompanied minor. Yeah, at the movie theater, he's With got... With at least three stuffed animals in his hands. Yeah, and, and like several boxes of popcorn and candy and, and things. Here's all the stew! Lose your popcorn, kid. And this is the, the adult really character we see sorry, the face Mr. of. Mr. Usher. This is a movie theater, not a playground. Understand? Yes, sir. So one, uh, that is the voice of one uh, Jim Cummings, who also voices Pooh Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jim Cummings is a voice acting superstar. Okay, mm-hmm. um, we we heard him already in Ducktales. He was El Capitan. Oh right, right, right. And now he, he's the he's the usher. Mm-hmm. He's Pooh Bear. Um, so interesting story about the the uh, the voice actors here. So the producers of this show actively sought. All of the surviving original cast from the the Winnie the Pooh shorts from the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s to, like, I guess, have continuity, mm-hmm. right? So, John Fielder, Piglet, Hal Smith, Owl, and Paul Winchell, Tigger, all returned to the show. But Sterling Calloway, Holloway, voice of Pooh, was too old, so he just said, I, I don't want to do the show. Mm-hmm. So, Jim Cummings stepped in and did it. Apparently, Paul Winchell, who plays Tigger in, like, the third or fourth season... Mm-hmm. Also, like, stopped doing Tigger. Like, he stepped away from the show. So, Jim Cummings is like, I'll do Tigger, too. <laughs> so, he just, like, he, he can do everything. Powerhouse. Yeah. The, man, the, man, the man's a genius <laughs> in, in voice acting. So, one of, I just wanted to throw that out there. The, the man. You, the, even if you don't think you've heard his voice before, you definitely oh, yeah. have. And, and we will certainly call him out again <laughs> with future episodes. Okay, so you mentioned the bad song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so th- this show, this episode is also a musical yeah. for like Are two seconds. Are all of seconds. musicals? Huh? Two seconds. I, I, I don't know. It's definitely a minimum of three so minutes. Thing, this far this caught me by surprise because I don't remember any other songs from this show as a kid. One, I don't remember too much about this show anyway. Yeah. But like, I don't remember a lot of songs, but this, I guess this act of the episode like just stops full halt so that they could sing a song <laughs> while at the movie theater. And it's all, it's, it's a song, I guess... 
trying to prove to Piglet that it's just a movie. Right? I'm, I'm gonna play a little bit. You just tap out when you're when you're done. Okay. I've seen him rip. I've seen him tear. I've seen him trotting through the air. But I stood by without a care. Cause figures don't get scared. It's just a bunch of movie tricks to make you think this thing exists. <laughs> it's terrible. There's <laughs> really nothing there. Here's the chorus. Right. Cause it's make believe. It's just I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm done with that. All right. Okay. So it's so bad. Uh, it, it makes me think of American Tale, <laughs> of the tiger song. Yeah, and it has like a, a, a kid badly singing, which is like one of the worst things <laughs> ever. <laughs> this poor, this like that's the thing. I like this this kid. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to crap on him too bad, but man, he's a great, great voice actor. Great voice, voice actor. Oh, that's another thing. Um, uh, Christopher Robin's American in this. Mm-hmm. I guess the the show, and we, we I questioned it while we were watching it. Yeah, but you did. The, the I guess the producers did. Like, it was a conscious choice. We want to Amer- Americanize Winnie the Pooh. Huh. So, uh, the setting was changed from England to America. Christopher Robin was basically made to be a contemporary 1980s kid. <laughs> and not a 1920s British kid. Did he feel 1980s? I guess so. It was just like, the, the, is a living room or the kitchen living yeah, room? Yeah, I just, I, my brain is like, nah, I, I still get 20s vibes. <laughs> They're but okay. Guessing. They weren't watching monster movies in the 20s. Like, not like that. How do you know? I, it, you weren't there. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> They're not listening to jazz. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. they the, Going to a Nickelodeon, watching some monster that whole That whole song sequence has a bunch of, like... It, it's them, like, causing havoc in the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a very not great scene. <laughs> not that it wasn't great, but, like, we were like, No, stop, stop. Like, poo... Where Piglet fell on the ground, and we're like, I, we're looking. I at- can suspend my disbelief, right? It's a cartoon. I totally get. It. But part of me, a very large part of me, apparently, is like, but this is in Christopher Robin's imagination, and these are just stuffed animals, and it's like Piglet's on the ground, and now he's covered in gum. Yep, and, and like he gross picks candy. him up. And he, like, takes it off or whatever. At one point, like, Pooh, like, has something gross on his hand and then just, like, sticks his hand in the popcorn and eats it. And then Christopher Robin eats afterwards. And I'm just like, they're dirty. They're they're felt and they're dirty. Piglet, the stuffed animal is just on the floor and covered in gum, was then placed in the popcorn bin. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. (laughs) I was like, this is disgusting. They they start (laughs) swinging from, like, the ropes, like, behind the projector screen. Mm -hmm. They go into the Projection, the projectors, <gasps> oh, yeah, the and they're like thing. tearing film from the the canisters and from the the cameras. Like, boy, do you know how expensive this is? Yeah. So it's just it's just this. I guess maybe it was supposed. To, maybe it's imagination. He wasn't actually ruining the movie for everybody. <laughs> he was just you know imagining that he was. He's just sitting in the seat singing to himself. And oh gosh, I hate that kid. <laughs> And then the usher comes to get him out, and he's, like, running around still singing to himself. Like, where's your adult child? Right. Anyway, and that, that's where the, the commercial break happens, is the song ends at a commercial break. After he runs from the theater. Yeah. Into yeah. the nighttime. And then uh, we return back, and uh, we have the point of the episode right here. Hey, let's make our own monster movie. A really scary one. Scarier than the one we... Yes, saw. Yes. Yeah. Or at least we're going to try. That first part took like 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, it wasn't that long. 
well, this episode like really dragged on. It's only 22 minutes, but it felt like it had like many twists and turns. Yeah. It was like, why is this, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Like a new story was told every seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's all movie themed. Um, so they, they decide they're gonna, they're gonna film their own movie. Pooh Bear's gonna be the hero with his white scarf and Tigger's gonna be the villain. Um, and do you remember what the monster is? What, yes. what is, what does he dress up as? A giant karat. A giant carrot. Yeah. <laughs> you looked like you didn't understand. I me. understood you. I'm just making sure no one else, no one else didn't understand. <laughs> but uh, a giant carrot because. Because it's the most evil monster he could possibly think of. Because he doesn't like carrots. Exactly. Because they're gross. I, I did not think about that until after the episode was finished. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was like, oh, it's a carrot because he doesn't like carrots. Oh. What? Oh, my smart boy. <laughs> hey, I was I was too invested in oh. the cartoon. Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> the action. <laughs> yeah, so so Tigger dresses up as a giant carrot and he starts walking around to all of the, the the friends in the hundred acre wood mm. uh, to show off his new costume, including rabbit. And I wasn't eating it. Honestly, I love my carrots. I, I won't ever do it again. I won't ever do it. Hey, what's the matter, Rabbit? It's only me, Tigger. T I double G R. That's spells Tigger. That, that's Tigger's voice. Oh, the giant carrots eat Tigger. So everyone's terrified of this giant carrot. They all think it's real. Mm. Uh, because Tigger can't get out of the costume. The, the zipper, zipper stuck. stuck. Yeah, so that that's like the second third of the episode, I guess, is everyone trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. stop the monster who is just Tigger <laughs> in in a costume. They come up with a plan to stop the stop the the, the, the carrot. Yes, because they've all at this point see them except Christopher Robin. Yeah, <laughs> what was he doing? He like went to get more film, or the film like rolled away. The, the plot. He has his own. <laughs> Camera with film. The the plot needed him elsewhere. The so plot they, needed him elsewhere. So he leaves. So his imagination can run free. So they they concoct a plan uh, to to demolish the carrot. I guess yes, <laughs> to trap it. All right, now remember when the carrot comes, you frighten him into the hole with the symbols. What? You'll scare the carrot into the hole. Okay, okay, no need to yell. And, uh, uh, what shall I do with this honey pot, Pooh? When the carrot falls into the hole, you pour the honey all over it. <laughs> why? <laughs> Not too much, of course. That's the one part of the plan I understand. Why Why cover him in, in honey? Maybe carrots are more tasty to, to, with honey on to, them? To suffocate him? Yeah, I don't know. They just, I don't know. It's, it's a like, waste of honey, Pooh. Scare the, scare the carrot into the hole. Makes sense. Maybe because it's too sticky to climb back out I, the hole? I don't know. This was not a good plan, Pooh Bear. Hey, but it goes Plenty. off without a hitch. I mean, there's a hitch. Well, what's the hitch? <laughs> that rabbit doesn't scare him in time because he doesn't see the carrot come up because he's got big old earphones so covering his big old ears. Earmuffs. Earmuffs covering his big old ears because he's going to symbolize. Clap, clap, clap. Symbol. But like the, the carrot does end up in the hole. Yeah, that's fair. Well... Yes. Yeah, no, yeah, it does. I, I don't even remember how that happened. Uh, he falls in, and then somehow Ticker gets out of the suit. See, this is the only part that I remember watching, but again, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, somehow, Ticker gets knocked into the hole in the costume, and then he's freed from the costume. The zipper works, so he hops out of the hole. 
And uh, everyone still thinks that the carrot is a real monster that's now at the bottom of this hole, so they're going to bury it. Hey, you're getting my costume all dirty. Costume? Yeah, it was my scary costume for Christopher Robin's movie. Oh, right. Why, so it is. Yeah, that must that mystery solved. Woo! And then uh, Rabbit is so happy that it he, is not a giant carrot that is out to avenge all the carrots that he's eaten that he like spins the thing around and tosses it up into a tree oh that's right that's that's actually a plot point yeah it is and and like to move into the third this, portion of this yeah so episode. again you think this is where a normal cartoon would end but yeah I, part of me is like crap we got six minutes left to kill <laughs> and, and you would think in 80s like the 80s mindset was like fill it with more commercials it's fine it's fine but right. no no they needed they needed an extra act uh, for this this episode, how do they feel that? What? Why Piglet has a a moment of crisis, an emotional crisis? Why Piglet? What's wrong? Oh, nothing, Pooh. You're a hero. You you saved us, but me, I was too scared to help you. Oh, we were all scared, Piglet. But it's all right now. No, Pooh. When I thought you were in danger. I couldn't even help you. No one needs a friend who's always afraid. <laughs> no one needs a friend who's only... Piglet's ready to off himself right there. Yeah. You know, I, was, I wrote down, I was like, like if we're saying that uh, Christopher Robin is all of these characters and something, like, this is just his insecurity and his anxiety yeah. as a four-year-old boy. I don't know how old Christopher Robin's supposed to be. We're going with four. Sure. Like, I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh that sucks to be so young and have the kind of understanding. And Tigger is his... Uh... Willfulness? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rabbit is his, his, his super ego. Ah. Tig- Tigger is the id. Yeah. Rabbit is the super ego. <laughs> is Pooh Be- is his appetite. <laughs> Fair. For destruction? <laughs> yes. But yeah, so Piglet is like out here, like, he, he just, he's, he's depressed and he just goes home and uh, tries to sleep it off because no one wants a friend like him. <laughs> Nobody needs a friend like him. No one likes you. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you didn't save me, Piglet. No. <laughs> so, the, the 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 scene changes. It's nighttime now, and whose house is Piglet in? His own house. And, and Winnie just 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 rolls in. Yeah. Okay. To see his friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 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 Winnie the Pooh to check out on him because his friend said something very very uh like mm, <laughs> let's check in on you. Yeah. <laughs> Pooh's a good friend. Yeah. But Pooh Bear. Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh Bear, (laughs) goes to Piglet's house and um, they have a conversation. Winnie goes there to cheer him up and be like, you're still my friend and stuff. And Pooh, or uh, what, uh, Piglet Piglet is like, nah, dog, I'm scum of the earth. You should leave. Have better friends. And Winnie does leave and gets like uh, the... The carrot costume that's been up in the tree. Because it is raining and storming and windy. Right. It, it blows out of the tree, wraps itself around Pooh as if, like, it's the ghost of the monster they've just murdered. <laughs> and it makes him, like, tumble down a hill. And he's, like, crying for Piglet. So Piglet has the moment where he says, okay, it's time to be a hero. I'll save you, Pooh Bear! Whoops. Oh. And he fails. Spectacularly. <laughs> But hey, it, it works. It works he, out. He falls into Pooh Bear, and the monster itself was just f- fabric costume anyway. So. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Piglet, you saved me. I did? Yes, Piglet. You're a real hero. I, I am? Oh, yes. Oh, Just yes. wait till everyone hears about this. We all heard about it. <laughs> I heard about it. Did you not hear about it? But that's the end of the episode, really. No, it's not. What, what's next? We have them shoot the movie. Oh, that's right. They do shoot the movie. It doesn't end, kids. There are four parts to this episode. <laughs> I totally forgot that. I didn't even get any clips from that. But yeah, they do film a movie and they screen it in his room. Piglet's the hero. Does Tigger have like a like a dinosaur uh, puppet hand puppet? Or something yeah. Like that? yeah. That's that's it though. Yeah. I think, I think that's where the, the movie the, the, <laughs> the show, show ends. The twenty two minute show that had like seven parts. Ugh, still. Shorter than that other 22-minute show we watched because we had no choice because of you. In a few years, we'll get there. Um, but there is one more scene that they have. They had to pl- they had to shove one more scene in here. And this one's reminiscent of the classic Winnie the Pooh cartoon. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot. Yeah, so Winnie and, uh, and, and Christopher Chris. Robin, they, they, have, they have to, like, you know, summarize the episode and, and leave everybody off on a good note. I suppose we don't have to be afraid of carrots anymore. <laughs> Not after the brave thing Piglet did. Yeah, but Mom's got a freezer full of broccoli waiting to invade tomorrow's dinner. Uh, Christopher Robin, if it's all the same to you, could we skip dinner <laughs> and have breakfast instead? Silly old bear. And then, uh... We get a nice little musical cue, and we're off to the credits. I get, you can eat broccoli for breakfast. Yeah, I have Brussels sprouts for breakfast every morning. I feel like if <laughs> if, if my kid like skipped dinner because he didn't want to eat, eat the vegetables, I'd make him eat the vegetables in the morning. <laughs> you just said you wouldn't make him eat carrots. If he did, if I didn't like the carrots, uh... I'd be like, hey, I eat this stuff and I enjoy it. You need to eat it. <laughs> you know, like I don't like. Bell peppers. For bell example. peppers are disgusting. I would not force my kid to eat bell peppers. Well, what if I your kid like loved bell peppers? Then he can eat them. <laughs> I just won't force it if he didn't like it. Got it. <laughs> this little kid that doesn't exist. <laughs> Christopher Rodney. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, Commercialism Lloyd. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> merchandising. <laughs> We've merchandised our marriage in the form of this child. This is my son merchandising. <laughs> So, uh, that's the new adventure of the Winnie the Pooh. You want to guess on what critics thought of it? It was hashtag two thumbs up polar bear style. They loved it. <laughs> uh, many critics praised the show's animation, writing, and positive messages. Ah. Yeah. The positive message of who needs a friend like me. <laughs> I mean, you know, so I think, like, for the most part, like, like, I think, like, especially, like, parents groups and, like, Christian groups, like, mm. they were like, this is the wholesome entertainment we want to show our kids. We don't want the violence mm. of He-Man. Blog moms. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't, they weren't blog moms yeah. back then. They were parents groups, activists, yeah. probably. But, yeah, so, Los Angeles Times called the show, quote, the best fan, the best made-for-TV cartoon show in several, uh, several seasons uh, claiming not only the classiest new show of the season, but also one of the best-looking series ever animated for television. That was pretty. Yeah, I, I would not go that far. So this episode was animated by uh, TMS, Tokyo Movie Shincha, who is like, if you were an American studio and you were making a TV show, this is the animation studio you sent to 
to mm. get really good animation. Like, they did the best work ever. I think they were maybe sleeping at the wheel for this episode. <laughs> like, it's a bear. <laughs> yeah, it's like, there were some good shots, like, of the, the, the carrot costume, mm-hmm. like, flapping in the wind and stuff like that. It was all very nice. But there were other, like, shots where I was just like, man, you guys did not put the effort into this. <laughs> they were like, we're making a poo bear show. <laughs> we're not going to try too hard. Um, but maybe the show got better. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And uh, the show was cited in the Children's Television Act of 1990 as an example of positive educational programming. Congress, I think, I think they were trying to undo the commercialism of the 80s where like, hey, cartoons shouldn't just be advertising. Mm -hmm. They should have some kind of worthwhile educational value for cartoons. Yeah. Be like Pooh Bear. Yeah. Do it like we be doing it. (laughs) And The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh won a daytime Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program in 1989. So, very well received. Good job, Winsome. Where did... Uh, Winifer the Pooh. Where did Winnie the Pooh go from here? Uh, so, The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh ran for 50 episodes over four seasons. Uh, the Winnie the Pooh media franchise, as established by the show, because, like, I think the show was the real jumping-off point, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it continued on with a series of made-for-TV holiday specials, which I think I had one on VHS, but I don't remember. Like, I think I did. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> uh, there were two additional television series and four theatrical released movies. And I'm pretty sure I saw, like, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2 or something. Like, the Tigger movie. I think there was a Tigger movie that was released there in theaters. There definitely was a Tigger movie. And I, I, I think we saw that when my little sister was, like, into Pooh Bear. Like, mm. I was a little too old, but she was into it. So we went into the movie theater to watch it because it was like, my mom's not going to pay for... Multiple movies. That's fair. Yeah. 2011's Winnie the Pooh was Disney Animation Studios' last traditionally animated feature film to date. Oh! So, yeah, yeah. The, the last 2D animated cartoon that they've done was Winnie the Pooh in 2011. It's been almost 10 years since they've done anything yeah. but 3D animation. And as of 2012, Winnie the Pooh is the third most popular media franchise in the United States. Oh, really? What beat it out? So the, fir- the, the number one and number two are not American. Oh. They're both Japanese. Okay. You're you, going to ask me to guess. You, at least you, at least you I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. You can do one guess. It's fine. I was like, at least you gave me a hint. Uh, as of like right now? Yes. There's so many Japanese things coming to my head right now. Uh, but let's go classic and say... I was going to say Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon's number classic. one. Hello Kitty number two. Oh, yeah. Hello so, Kitty's still a thing. I, not I, like that it's not a thing, but I mean like of popularity. I don't really necessarily see a lot of total revenue estimated eighty six billion for oh. Hello Kitty, seventy six billion for Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yep. Let's get some Hello Kitty things. <laughs> no, let's make this whole wall. A my Hello older Kitty my wall. older sister loves Hello Kitty. I want to point that out. She loves the frog. I was gonna say I was like she I, I, legit. You said that I was like there's no way she likes the cat. She likes the frog. She likes the frog. Oh, here's That's an, in line with her personality. And uh, as, as far as Winnie the Pooh's legacy goes, here's a funny thing. Did you know that Winnie the Pooh is banned in China? I did know that. Because uh, President Xi Jinping uh, was... A bunch of memes were made comparing his, his physical uh, appearance. appearance to Winnie the Pooh. He didn't appreciate it, so now it's banned because he's a petty man. Well, I mean, who... Why doesn't he want to be like looking like a cuddly bunny? A cuddly bear? Because he's, he's too much pride, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's uh, the, the new adventure of the Winnie the Pooh. Any, any parting thoughts? Would you recommend it? <sighs> Not to an adult. 
Yeah, unless I, unless nostalgia, but still, how did you feel about this nostalgia fact? Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it to yeah. anyone, but but kids anyway. And there's better kids cartoons out there. Yeah, it's like if you have a very small child and you you want like a for sure this is wholesome in all like saccharin and all the you know mm-hmm. in every way. This is fine, I guess. It's on but, it's on Disney Plus. But beware that you 100% will be singing the song. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of that song, we're gonna close out. Uh, go to break with. The with the end of that song, so again, that's uh, that song's called "He's Pooh Bear," written by Steve Nielsen, Steve Nelson, and Steve Wood. Good job, Steves. So uh, with that, we'll see you on the other side of the break. Goodbye. Justin to the Disney Channel. Pooh Bear flies. Oh my! Oh my! It's wonderful. Tigger sails. Looks like fun. <laughs> Wish I could have some. And rabbit races. Boy, that's terrific! Now you can get the whole scoop when you join your favorite pals for fun and excitement. The new adventures of Winnie the Pooh weekdays at 8 a.m. 7 Central. I'm the mother T I double G. Oh, actually, that was a little close. I mean, all right. So we're coming in with the uh, theme song from a certain uh, British television show. We're, uh, I think, this is our first British show. Yeah, this is our first non-American show. I believe taking a trip across the pond, as they say. Oh, it's not the first non-American. We did Dragon Ball. Yeah, we did Dragon Ball. That was our first Japanese show. But this is our first British show. Jess's TV show, 1988, debuting February 15th, 1988, on BBC Two, starring Craig Charles, Chris Berry, and Danny John Jules. Created by Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, we have Red Dwarf. <sighs> um, so tell me about Red Dwarf. Um, my experience with Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. Red what Dwarf what is general? it, and where did you hear about this? Because I, I Red Dwarf is a British comedy sitcom. It's a, it's a sitcom. sitcom. I always forget that sitcom is short for situational comedy rather than sit down comedy, which is what I think means it has like sitting people sitting and in an audience and talking. But situational comedy, uh, where there are a couple of blokes. Uh, in the very far future, doing some space travel, and they more or less get stuck on a ship with only themselves. It's Gilligan's Island. <laughs> as in a way, it's yeah, like it's, it, it's a sci-fi sitcom. It's it takes place on a single like almost like a mining ship. It is a mining ship. Yeah, yes. it's it's very alien. Like the design of everything, what they wear, mm-hmm. the ship itself is very alien. Movie alien. Yeah, Ridley Scott's alien. I'll take your word for it because and, let's be honest, you know I don't I don't play those games. And and honestly, like we've been talking about, like the we're in the late eighties <clears> now, and like we've talked about like the shadow of Star War, Star Wars, like you know, cast it, it it's it's deeply cast, yeah, right across the eighties. Like Star Wars ended in eighty three, but there's still 
stuff coming out that calls to mind like the space boom of the mm-hmm. late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. So like this show is definitely making fun of Star Wars tropes, Star Trek tropes, um, Alien, so on, so on. Just like Spaceballs. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about space balls. And but then... they do it in a way that doesn't miss the mark every time. And probably because they have a, a longer amount to do. They don't need to put it all in one episode. Yeah, that's also true. I think, yeah. honestly, like, this this show, I think, does a way better job of, of tackling, you know, taking down Star Wars and all those space tropes mm-hmm. more effectively than space balls ever did. Yeah, definitely. But where did you watch this show? Where? Or on when? On the TV. When? <laughs> um, Honestly, I believe it was college. Because I um, then had the internet, (laughs) my own computer, nobody watching over my back to decide if what I was watching was appropriate or not. And I, like college, like opened up a whole new world for me, especially since it was, yeah, Uh, especially considering uh, it was the age of you, like I went to college when YouTube was a thing, (laughs) when it first started. So, um, before before the uh, copyright apocalypse of 2008. Exactly. <laughs> so being able to like find different things was what I did. But I will say I um the episodes that I saw were part of the not the revival. Rebo- yeah, the revival. Yeah. Uh, much in the same with, as with Doctor Who. So that is not what we watched here. But uh, there was just a time where I was just like checking out. I I mean, you know me. Well, maybe you don't, kids. But my husband <laughs> knows me. I watch a lot of like non-American TV. You do. You do. from And not just from one place. Because I find it really interesting to see. Uh, because just like we're doing this podcast, right? To see how it affects us. Like the culture of different places holistically affects the media that is that comes out of those places. And it's just so interesting to me and yeah. also i love british humor this is some early british humor for it's, it's me a, it's a very like when people say british humor they they mean like dry mm-hmm. this show is pretty dry because it's all wordplay yeah i feel like for the most part it's all dialogue based yeah there, like, there aren't a lot of physical gags there yeah, are some there are but some that's uh, not what it's relying on yeah i uh i had heard of this show as like i think i remember like getting into podcasts with like like British actors and things. Mm-hmm. And they talked about watching Red Dwarf when they were younger. And like, I was like, I don't know what that is, but apparently it's a thing that British people watch. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that and carry on. Uh, and what is what, uh, something? Ta- Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers. Yeah. Like all this stuff. It's like, those are things that exist. I've never heard. Yeah. I've ne- I've- Stephen Fry shows as well. I can't think of stuff. I like I can yeah. see like pictures of like, this is the person and what they did, but yeah. So us watching this show together was the first time I actually sat down and watched it, and it was good. Yeah, I I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit actually. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, but you want to you want to get into the the history of Red Dwarf? Yes. The show. All right. Again, just like Winnie the Pooh, not that much. <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty straightforward. Red Dwarf has its roots in a series of comedy sketches from 1984 called Dave Dave Holland Space Cadet. <laughs> Which ran as part of BBC Radio 4 series Son of Cliché. Fun. Yeah, I, I guess they were just radio sketches. Like, you would listen to the radio. And, I love that. That yeah. sounds like... That's a podcast. Yeah, it, it essentially was, yeah. Like a fictional podcast. Um, the Best ske- kind of podcast. The sketches were produced by Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, who went on to create Red Dwarf. So okay. it was like them writing together already. The sketches, as well as Red Dwarf, were inspired by films and shows like Dark Star, 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> um, Star Trek, Silent Running, Alien, Dark Star, which I just said. <laughs> My bad. Two Dark Stars. 
and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Hey. And uh, as we as we play through the clips of the first episode, I'll point out things that remind me of those okay. different media and movies and TVs. Uh, so the writing duo of Rob Grant and Doug Naylor uh, wrote the pilot script for Red Dwarf in 1983 and pitched it to BBC, but it was rejected out of fear that a science fiction sitcom would not be popular. Hmm. Yeah. Which I'm like, at the time I get, but it was like 1983. Star Wars had just come to a conclusion. I feel like that's the perfect time yeah. to release a, a sci-fi sitcom. You're right. <laughs> like, it was still very popular, I guess, but, like, I think BBC made the wrong call there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder, because they make fun of a lot of stuff, so maybe that cool-down period was probably, maybe, see, I mean, we can't tell either way. Either it would have been, like, even more hugely popular, or a lot of people have been like, no, don't make fun of my Star Wars. Yeah, I guess so. And, and uh, maybe the TV producers thought it was a fad. It's like, oh, this space thing's just a fad. Fair. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but a surprise budgeting surplus helped Red Dwarf get picked up by the BBC in 1986. But even then, the series was on shaky ground. So, like, I guess up until, like, the the airing, BBC, like, was not kind to the, to the creators, the actors, the writers. They were just, like, treated as, like... Second grade citizens, almost mm. you know, like lesser than at the at the network. You can almost see that in just like the the staging of the show. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Where it's like they could have done so much more. And like, what are like, what are these sets? <laughs> yeah, and things. Mm. Yeah, so it just I think they didn't trust the the team with a lot to make mm. this show. It was like we'll give you a little bit. You know, we need the program. We have a bit of extra money, but don't go crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't because they couldn't. <laughs> But they kind of did. <laughs> they got away with a little bit. Tell me about it. Well, let's get into the show. That's that's really it. Mm. So that's that's Red Dwarf. Um, episode one of Red Dwarf is called The End, <laughs> which is in itself a funny wordplay. Yeah. The, the pilot of the show is called The End. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's let's jump into the show. We're introduced immediately to the two main characters. What are their names? Uh, Dave Lister. Uh huh. And Arnold. I think his name is Charles Rimmer. Rimmer. Arnold Rimmer. Arnold Rimmer, you're right. <laughs> Dave Lister, Arnold Rimmer. <laughs> this is what they sound like. Lister, shut up! I'm only human. Well, don't! Lister, don't hum and don't make any stupid sounds with your cheeks. <laughs> Lister, one more sound, anything, and you're on report, Milano. What job number is this? And he then says nothing, he mimes as if he's talking. Right, that's it. Lister D, third technician, offence, obstructing a superior technician by humming, clicking, and being quiet. <laughs> so that's Charles and... Er, Charles. I keep saying Charles. Just sorry. say Lister and... Lister and Rimmer. Uh, they are a couple of, I guess, engineers on the ship called the Red Dwarf. It's uh, coming... It, it's doing a job just like... Just like the uh the ship in alien like they're they're space uh like miners you know they're they're heading home from a job uh, it's almost like you know old whaling ships of the the, the 17th century if you know what i mean are you making a moby dick reference i sure right am now? it's just like moby dick <laughs> you know so they they're 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 headed out um and like this show has a lot of bureaucratic humor yeah because so, lister is a very like working class guy mm-hmm. he seems uh, like uneducated, undereducated, I guess you know, like yes. very like street tough. He's not insubordinate as as we'll hear. <laughs> he kind of is. 
He's not, except specifically to Rimmer. Well, he's, he's no, wild no. at heart. He's wild at heart. He actually has insubordination. I was just thinking. Yeah, he is, he is insubordinate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he's he's got a heart of gold. Yeah, we, he's we got a heart Lister. of bronze. <laughs> and uh, then you have Rimmer, who is this uppity, uh, ambitious, stick in the stick in mud. the mud. Yeah, um, but also like bumbling. bumbling. Yeah, he he. I think he. He thinks too much of himself, yeah. and at the same time, they're both idiots. Yeah. But Rimmer doesn't think he's an idiot. Yeah. Rimmer's kind of the worst, if I'm going to be honest. Like, yeah. I know you didn't really watch more, but um, because the episodes, there are only six episodes a season because British TV. And uh, there are times where it's like, Rimmer, you're the worst, dude. <laughs> Rimmer. But it's funny because he always gets cut down, right? He always gets yeah. cut down a peg. Like, mm-hmm. He's the butt of every joke. Yes, but also kind of like ends up on top at the end of each episode. Oh, uh, fair enough. For more different reasons. Anyway. But yeah, so uh, let's hear a little bit more of their banter because like they... This is the show. Yeah, the <laughs> show is just them arguing to each other. And so a you, you heard it there in that last clip. Rimmer just wrote up Lister for being insubordinate. So a superior comes in to check up on them. Now, uh, Rimmer, I'm just going through McIntyre's artifacts and I see that you filed 247 complaints... Against Lister. <laughs> yes, sir. That's 123 counts of insulting a superior technician, 39 counts of dereliction of duty, 84 counts of general insubordination, and one count of mutiny. Yes, sir. And that count of mutiny is because <laughs> Lister stepped, stepped on, on Rimmer's foot. foot. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did it with intent to wound. <laughs> That's the, the line Basically, I remember. Yeah. Like, what if there was an emergency and I would not be able to get there because you were on my foot? <laughs> And uh, then Lister has this to say about Rimmer. You see, I try, sir. I'm not an insubordinate man by nature. Yes, you are. I try and respect Rimmer and everything, but it's not easy because he's such a smeg head. (laughs) Did you hear that, sir? Lister, do you have any conception of the penalty for describing a superior technician as a smeg head? (laughs) Oh, Rimmer. (laughs) You are a smeg head. (laughs) But that's, that's Rimmer and that's Lister. I was looking up, like... The the two the two actors here are uh, you got Craig Ch- that's that, Charles Craig Charles is Lister that's why I kept saying Charles oh. so Craig Charles plays Lister Chris Barry plays Rimmer I was looking up apparently some other famous actors tried out for the show oh including Alan Rickman to play which who I don't know mm. like Rickman if anybody should have played Rimmer yeah. Oh, man, that would have been a feather in his cap. And then uh, another famous actor, uh, Alfred Molina, who I think most Americans know him as uh, Doc Ock from the second Spider-Man movie. Mm. Dr. Octopus. No, you know what? Sorry. I just changed my mind. He would have, uh, about... Alan Rickman? Alan Rickman, Holly. That would have been good, yeah. He would have been Holly. So (laughs) Holly, we have not introduced him yet, but he is the... Basically, the HAL 2000 or the HAL 3000 of, of the ship. It's, I love the, that you're making these references that I'm like, I don't yeah, know two, what you're talking 2001 about. 2001 Space Odyssey, <laughs> HAL is the computer, the the, uh, the AI computer. Is that, that the one that says Danger Will Robinson? No. Okay. I think that's Lost in Space, which is also, <laughs> this show definitely also parodied that as well. <laughs> no, HAL is the one It's like, his name is, so, Holly, HAL, you see the yeah, yeah, connection yeah. there, but HAL says like, I can't do that, Dave. Right? Oh. And I'll, I'll come back to that line yeah. because that's definitely parodied in this first yeah. episode. Um, so it's just interesting. Alan Rickman could have played the computer. Just like he plays the computer in, in the... Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitch- yeah. Yeah. Which is like perfect. Perfect. Yeah. He was perfect. 
And apparently, I guess Craig Charles wasn't even considered for the role of Lister. Um, he was just the one black friend the writers had. Oh. So they sent him the script because there's a certain character they wanted his opinion on. We'll talk about that character in a second. Okay. They just wanted to make sure they weren't being offensive with stereotyping. Okay. that was That's really interesting because like when you said the other show, I was just like... And I thought they were going to play uh, Rimmer, and I, like, I was just like, no, I like that, like, half the, like, there are really only three reoccurring characters, and one of them is a partially, like, half black man, you're black, he's a black man, yeah. and I was just like, yeah, yeah, cool, people of color, on the screen, go, so I'm glad that they went with that. What was, but, like, he just got it because he, like, had a lot of comments, or? Yeah, so Craig Charles was sent the script because the writers wanted his opinion on something, and Craig Charles is a black actor, and... I guess they, he was like, that's, this, this sounds great. I want to be a part of it. And they, maybe he just auditioned to play Lister and there you go. Nice. He was, he was, he, yeah. he's like the perfect choice. He's right? perfect. The accent, everything, everything. So I like sometimes still quote, <laughs> quote him when he's doing stuff. She's part of me plan. Yeah. So we'll, let's, let's talk about both of these guys. Cause that's my next clip actually. Meet <laughs> me plan. So Lister's character, we learn a little bit about himself. He's, he's got a plan. Yeah. You see. Mister, you are a nothing. I'm not a nothing. I've got me plan. What's that? The plan to be the slobbiest entity in the entire universe? <laughs> no. Me five-year plan. You see, I'm going to do two more trips. And I've been saving up all me pay. Since when? Since always. That's why I never buy any soap or deodorants or socks or anything like that, you know. Anyway, I'm going to buy myself a little farm on Fiji. I'm going to get a sheep and a cow and breed horses. <laughs> With a sheep and a cow. No, with horses and horses. <laughs> that was the part that I wanted specifically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, with horses and horses. <laughs> he has like a very, uh, I, I, that's the thing, I don't know what region that is, but it's, it's a very, it sounds cockney to me, but is that, is that, am I oh, right no, now? Mm, regionality, I don't even know. Yes, I, I'm, not, I'm, not an ex- <laughs> I'm not an expert here on, on the, the regions of the UK. I can't tell. But he has a very working class accent. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me put it that way. I think. Uh, Rimmer is a little bit more hush, yes. purposely, and Ponzi. And, 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 and Lister is much more like, like I said, working class. Mm. So anyway, and that is, uh, then we, we learn a little bit more about Rimmer. Rimmer, his his main goal in this first episode is to do what? Pass a quiz. He wants to pass like the maintenance exam. Yeah, or, like, he get the, a higher ranking. Yeah, he uh, admiral exam, whatever it is. So he's been he studies the whole episode to get to this exam. This is a lot for long, matey. Up, up, up. That's where I'm going. Not until you pass an engineer's exam. Engineer's exam. And you won't do that because you'll just go in there and flunk again. Lister, last time I only failed by the narrowest of narrow margins. You what? You walked in there, Rose. I am a fish. 400 times with a funny little dance and fainted. That's a total lie. No, it's not. Peterson told me. No, it's not. Peterson told me. Stress can make somebody do some weird things. Yeah, so he's he's definitely like he's incompetent because he's like insecure. Yeah, and very like sheepish. It, it, whenever it seems like whenever Rimmer is like under stress, like he just like falls apart. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens. Like he takes this test. Um, he writes the entire textbook on his arms and legs. Yeah, and gets in there and like. Mulan's it, like rubs his hands across it, and it like ugh. it's all sweaty. It's and- all sweaty, and it makes the ink like uh, gather on his hand, and he like goes Dum! like hits himself in the head, and then looks at his hand and just slaps it on the paper covered in ink, and then stands up like he was done. <laughs> and then he, he passes out, just like just like Lister said happened to him last time. Yeah. And, and- 
And the person monitoring the test just looks at him and continues on because apparently this is the 14th time. Yeah. So that's that's like the introduction. We're also introduced to a bit more of the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoilers, the crew is not all that important. No. The only important thing is they tell us specifically is the um, funeral. Yes. So they have a funeral. For a um, random. A, a, re- a remembrance for a crew member named George. Uh, and I, I have a clip here from the very American captain. Folks, today is a day for both sadness and joy. Sadness for the passing away of George and joy, because George is back with us, albeit as a hologram. hologram. Now, some of you may not have traveled with a hologram before, so I ask you to treat him as a normal man, because he is in every respect like George. He has George's personality and George's knowledge and experience. Of course, he can't lift anything or touch anything, so I, I ask you to cooperate with his request. And please... Take every care not to walk through them, not even when you're in a hurry. <laughs> it's like one that's that's funny. Like, it's just silly that they have to go through this bureaucratic process of reminding everybody. He's a hologram now. He's a dead man brought back to life as a hologram. Don't don't touch him. Don't, he can't do anything. He's just here. He's just here to talk at us. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's interesting that the, the, the captain is American. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, t- I think it's an inverse of, of Star Wars. Where in in Star Wars, all the Imperials are, mm-hmm. are British and all of the heroes are American. Oh. I, I think that's the joke. Or like in Star Trek, where uh, like John Luke Picard is like a very British man. Yeah, that's what it, that's what was John Luke Picard's French. I don't. I don't think it was like before before this was it. Next you're, generation. You're probably right. Yeah, next generation. I think is 1988. Yeah. the same year. Oh, if not the same year. Okay, the year before. Sorry, I was making a face before because my you were saying all the villains in Star Wars were British, and my because we've had this conversation uh, about how like it was shot in Brit. Yes, Star Wars was shot. Then it was brought back, and he just dubbed everyone's voice. He He just kept the villains in the same voice. All right, like Peter Cushing played a Grand Moff Tarkin, who is like a very, very British man. (laughs) He's very intimidating. So I don't know. I guess it's just yeah, the the bureaucratic Imperials. I mean, I've honestly, obviously, I've seen the original Star Wars because my dad loved them. I remember nothing. <laughs> that's fine. But yeah, I, I, I think that's a funny little like thing to do is make yeah. the American captain there. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, one important thing about yes. this that I don't know if you got the clip um, that Holly says, uh, not Holly, the, the hologram uh-huh. of George says is like, uh, just remember the ship can only um, maintain one hologram. So none of you die. None of nobody more important than me die. That's right. So <laughs> yeah, I don't have that clip. But yeah, that, but that that's an, an important plot point, yep. which is the reason... George headlines. <laughs> yeah, so this whole that's that's the rule. The ship can have one hologram. Yes. Keep that in mind. Okay, and then the last thing the show kind of introduces uh before like we we go to break and come back with the the status quo, so to speak, um is Lister is shown to have a stowaway on on board. Yeah. A cat named Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, so Lister has smuggled a cat on board, and uh, the cap- the captain has uh, some things to say. You asked to see me, Captain? Where's the cat? What? What cat? Lister, not only are you so stupid, you bring aboard an unquarantined animal and jeopardize every man and woman on this ship. Not only that, 
but you take a photograph of yourself with the cat and send it to be processed in the ship's lab. <laughs> One that's a very old thing to say. It had to be processed in the lab because it's film. Because it's film. He had right. to develop it. Yeah. <laughs> to me, like, it almost reads like, you sent it to everybody via email or, you know, via text, but they didn't have that back then. Right. But anyway, um, so that is another very important thing. Um, the captain gives uh, Lister an ultimatum. Either get rid of the cat or go into stasis and... Uh, for Go into stasis for 18 months and forfeit all of your pay. And then when, we're, when we get to the next loading dock, you're off the ship without a job and without pay. Right. So Lister has that ultimatum and he chooses the cat. <laughs> So he he's like, that's fine. Part of which makes sense now that I remember that he's like, I was saving up all my pay. Like, he probably has enough money to move to Fiji. So he's just like, I'll just take an 18-month break away from Lister. Maybe. maybe away from Rimmer. Away from Rimmer. Yeah. Sorry. So uh, he gets put into stasis. Now, stasis is very much a... It, it's, it's like he's on ice, basically. Yeah. He, he gets put on ice. Uh, it's not too different from Fry from Futurama. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Futurama also got ideas from this show. Yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. So, uh, he gets put into stasis. Here's a, here's a clip of that. I've just gone ahead. Haven't you ever traveled interstellar? No. Oh, you don't feel a thing. The stasis room creates a static field of time. See, just as x-rays can't pass through lead, time cannot penetrate the stasis field. So, although you exist, you no longer exist in time, and for you, time itself does not exist. You see, although you're still a mass, you are no longer an event in space-time. You are a non-event mass with a quantum probability of zero. How oh, simple is that? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he gets put into stasis. And uh, the, the show goes to break with a freeze frame of him, like, waving goodbye to everybody as he gets put in stasis. And then it comes back and he's waving again and he's released from stasis. Yeah. 18 months is up. 18 months, they say. <laughs> uh, the problem is... It's been a bit more. It's been a bit longer than that. Where is everybody off? They're dead, Dave. Who is? Everybody, Dave. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Todd Hunter? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Selby? They're all dead. Everybody's dead, Dave. Peterson isn't, is he? Everybody is dead, Dave. <laughs> Not Chen. Gordon Bennett, yes, Chen. Everybody. Everybody's dead, Dave. Rimmer. He's dead, Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead, Dave. <laughs> Wait. Are you trying to tell me everybody's dead? I didn't get that part, but right after that, Holly says, God, I wish I, I, I should have just left him in stasis. <laughs> so that's what happened. He gets put in stasis for so long that he sleeps through essentially a, like a cataclysmic event that kills everybody on board. Yeah. It reverts them all to dust. Yeah. And then he, uh, keep the ship's call, computer, which is called Holly, Holly, keeps him in there because like everyone's dust, but there's radiation everywhere. And did they say how long it's been yet? I think like three no, million years. Three million. It's been three million years. He's been in stasis for three million years. Also, can I say that whole time you're playing that clip, I was just imagining the deep, deep timbre of <laughs> of Al Alan Rickman's voice. Possibly, everybody's dead, Dave. That that Dave. I, I can't do it. Alan <laughs> everybody's dead, Dave. We need uh, an impersonator to do this whole part, please. How how how. <laughs> You're so cute. Dark, dark, dark. Everybody's done, Dave. So, um, one, going back to 2001 A Space Odyssey, like, how 9000 is, his famous line is, I can't do that, Dave. Right? <laughs> and, and this, is just, a, this yeah. is just a parody of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But Lister is trying to take this all in, and once again, he asks the question, 
So everyone's dead. I'm on my own. It's just me. Well, technically speaking, yeah. What do you mean, technically speaking? <laughs> Hello, Lister. Now calls Rimmer. Long time no see. Rimmer, you're a hologram? Yes, that's because I'm dead. <laughs> dead as a can of spam. So Rimmer, 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 Rimmer is now the hologram. Yep. He's the one ship's hologram. He's the, yeah, <laughs> the only one that can be supported. And uh, that's, the, hey, we have the main cast. We've got Lister, who's alive and now awake after three million years. You got Rimmer, who is a hologram, and you have Holly, the computer. Yep. And this is what Rimmer has to say about being a hologram. Being a hologram is fine, Lister. I still have the same drives, the same feelings, the same emotions, but I can't touch anything. Never again will I be able to brush a rose against my cheek, cradle a laughing child, or interfere with with a woman woman sexually. (laughs) Rimmer, you know you should do any of those things anyway. Uh, and that just basically establishes the status quo. It's like that it, the show the show is this. It's about these three weirdos, bumpkins and, in space. Yep, just getting on very low key adventures, like weird adventures. Yeah, and like the farther you go into the the like the first season is pretty one note. Mm-hmm. It's still it's still fun. There's still like a, a a couple like oh there is one more character. There is one but, more character. Um, it's pretty one note and like easy to follow. Second season has a lot more happening. Third season you're like oh money was definitely given to them now because these sets are banging. Like yeah. So um, and the costumes. So it's like oh we're changing now. But we do got to get to that one last character. So if you remember, Lister has had a cat smuggled on board before he was put into stasis. Correct. And uh, they run into a. It, it looks like a man who's just doing a a, a, a little a, dance, a little, little Richard impression. Yeah, he's a, he's just a fifties like rock and roll type singer, like Little Richard. Yeah, they run into him and they're like, "Who was that?" Holly, what was that? During the radioactive crisis, Dave, your cat and her kittens were safely sealed in the hold, and they've been breeding there for three million years and have evolved into the life form you just saw in the corridor. I don't get it. Well, you know how mankind evolved from apes? Yeah, I know that. He evolved from cats. His ancestors were cats. He's descended from cats. He is a cat. And the character's name is Cats. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, he rounds out the cast, really. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's essentially a show about four characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lister, Rimmer, Cat, and Holly. Yep, Exactly. Which is so much fun. Do you have a clip from Cat? I do. They they meet Cat and they talk to him a little bit and like Cat's got very strange mannerisms. He'll like dance and sing and Oh no no. My brain was because I was like, wait, what character did they have um Charles write on? It was it was Cat. Cat. Yeah. Cat. So they, they So brought... my brain was like, so they had intended for that to be a black character. Yes, they wrote this character that is very much like he it's like kind of a black stereotype, I guess. I don't know. A little like maybe they were concerned that it was gonna be too much of a stereotype. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, like, like you're saying, like, there are, are moments where I was like, okay, that I would, like, give a, because I was just like, yeah, he's being a cat character. But, like, that we're saying, it's a cat. Why are we stereotyping it one way or another? He's a cool but, cat. Yeah. And he is. He's very cool. I can totally see where they were just like, hey, where's the line? Yeah. <laughs> is this too racist? But hey, here's what cat sounds like. Did you say Frankenstein? Yeah, she was your great, 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 great grandmother or something. The Holy Mother? The Virgin Birth? No one believes that stuff. The Virgin Birth? No, it was a big black Tom on Titan. Frankenstein, yeah! I remember that stuff from kiddie school. The Holy Mother, saved by Cloister the Stupid. 
who was frozen in time and who gave of his life that we might live. No, it's not Cloyster. It's me. It's Lister. It's Lister the Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lister the Stupid. Do they talk about like his upbringing, like later in the show, Cat, like Cat growing up on the ship? Yes, they do. Yes. Okay. So that's that's one of the things where I'm like, well, sort of, but yeah, where you're just kind of like, wait, but they were breeding for. Where are the rest of the cats? Where are the rest of the cats if this is a thing? Like, he's not the only one just coming up, right? And there is an episode in the second season where um, <laughs> Cat gives Lister some of their holy books to, oh, like, no. read. But you don't read them. You smell them. <laughs> they're, like, the stories are in the scent. And he's saying they're, like, food wars. <laughs> and it's fun. Um, and he, like, finds where they are. And apparently, like, there were a whole – oh, well – he reads it in his smelly book for a little bit. Um, but also Holly fills him in a little bit that there were like the cats evolved and then made obviously a religion based on Cloyster the Stupid. Uh, and their version of heaven was a place called Foggy. I, I, I have, I have that clip. I did do. Who shall returneth to lead us to Fushal? Fushal. Fushal. Promised land. No, it's not Fushal. It's Fiji. And I will. I'll lead you there. That's where we're going. Holly... Plot of course for Fiji. Look out here, the slime's coming home. And I guess the the end of the the end of the pilot there is meant to like say, hey, we're going back to Earth. Yeah. And we're gonna get it in some crazy adventures along the way. Yes, because they are three million years in the wrong direction. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they um the holy texts say that Cloyster will return to lead them to uh, Fuja. Uh-huh. And um, where they will have a restaurant where they sell donuts and sausages, which is part of his plan, which I don't know if – I can't remember if that was I, in the I clip. I don't remember. Uh, that we played. He had lots of plans where there will be sheep and goats and stuff, and they would wear funny little hats and red and green. Uh, and they had a holy war because half of the cats believed that the uniforms would be red, and the other <laughs> half believed that they would be blue, and they had a war against it, fighting, killing, and dying until they were like, forget it, and they like left on separate pods to go and find Fujah. For themselves, and so the only people they left behind are Cat because he's stupid, and one other like religious holy person that you don't you only see once in a, a season two. But when Lister gets all this information, he's like, "They fought a war over it was blue or, or red. That's stupid. They were gonna be green." Uh, <laughs> and then he just moves on. So I love uh, the the great thing about this is like they have these like very sci-fi concepts. And it's just it's just nonsense. They yeah. make jokes out of everything. You know, it's like yeah, they're yeah. It's like these cats they they evolved over three million years into human beings, but it really doesn't matter all that much. It's like let's just have a one off joke explaining it. And that's all we need. Yeah, that will never be referenced again. Right. Yeah, it's just like it's a fun show. It sure is. It lands. Like there are some jokes that you may not find funny. There are some. Um, slurs in here that were of the time yeah. that I'm just like uh no not okay but um not they were that they were intending you, you know so you know so as I was like thinking about this show it, it reminded me of a certain web series that I like called Red vs. Blue which is a video game based uh web series uh, it's a comedy show it's based in the video game Halo if you know what that is um it is, it is also just about a limited cast of dum-dums, you know, <laughs> kind of trapped in a single location and just get 
on adventures involving themselves. It's like they mm-hmm. create the adventures for themselves. They create problems that they then have to solve. And it's all situational. You know, yeah. it's like just a bunch of idiots trapped in a place. And what kind <laughs> of, you know, maybe one day someone will just stumble into the place they're in. They'll have a little adventure with that one person and that person will leave. It's yeah. very similar to that. Yeah. But it, like, it just works. It, it totally works. Because I feel like... At, at, at one point in our lives, we were all that, right? Like, we were a kid with a friend group, hopefully. <laughs> there were just a bunch of, like, nimrods. Just like, oh, okay, what are we going to do today? Uh, skip and, and, school and, it, and go to BevMo to buy some soda. I don't know. And the, the, <laughs> but the show is, like, the, the writing is smart enough and clever enough. Yeah, There's, absolutely. So, yeah. This is definitely a recommend for me. 100%. Definitely recommend. Glad that you finally watched it. Yeah. So let's talk about what other people show, thought of this show. Okay. So the show's pilot episode, the one we talked about, um, received over 4 million viewers, which is very good. Yeah. Uh, but viewing figures dipped in successive episodes and the first series had generally poor ratings by the end. Mm. So apparently it was like a big event thing. People watched the first episode. People stopped. Uh, maybe maybe BBC was right at the time or maybe it was a little too late. People were like, space stuff. That was so 1983. Yeah. I don't know. But the show did continue on for several series after that. It seemed like every every year uh, there was one for the next four years at least. Yeah. So um, from what I understand, the the ratings steadily increased into the third and fourth series. Yeah. The third series was uh, kind one of a of the shake, best. right? A, a shake up in the status quo, even right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like reading fan reviews and stuff like that. And apparently, people say like the show peaked in series three. Mm. Or that's when it found its stride, really. Uh, so, like, uh, I, I while you were watching in the other room, I, like, sampled a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it, it all seemed fine. Yeah. yeah. It was all fun. Yeah. Um. So, the Red Dwarf Schmegazine, which is a fanzine. Wow. Stated that the show in its early seasons, quote, had a unique balance of sci-fi comedy, which worked magnific- magnificently and was very original and very funny. I might put it. I might try to like push my way through it for the rest of the week. Um, and also, Red Dwarf was nominated for International Emmy Awards four times and won in 1994. Nice, good job. Yep. So, well deserved, I think. So, the classic run of Red Dwarf lasted until 1993 with Series Six. Um, a writing shakeup took place right after that in 1995, uh, resulting in a revamped film-like format for Series Seven in 1997. So, that's when they they like they booted the studio audience. And the original writers, some of them, yeah. I think one, at least one of the one of the co-creators actually left, mm. like to do his own thing. And so they, I guess, they just wanted to revamp the show. They like went for more like a film thing with like cin- better cinematography, mm-hmm. dynamic cameras, and stuff like that. And I was like thinking back to the type of like sci-fi shows that were on in 1997, and I'm thinking like. Like Star Trek Voyager and, and yeah, probably Next Generation at that point. At that point, Next right? Generation I think it just ended. So like the 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 third wave of, of Star Trek shows were going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Battlestar Galactica. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. But um, yeah, those those shows which were more filmic in their mm-hmm. presentation. Maybe that's what they were going for. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe. Um, and not not the place for a British comedy. Yeah, these these changes were seen by some fans as disappointing. I can't say. I haven't seen it yet. Same. We're going to see it. (laughs) Uh, The show returned to its sitcom format in 1999 with Series 8, and this was greeted with an equally lukewarm response. Uh, I think maybe its fan base was kind of like, all right, the show is 
Jump the shark. Yeah, maybe maybe let it sit on, you know, sit on ice for a little bit. Put it yeah. in stasis. <laughs> and in stasis they did put it, because the BBC decided not to renew Red Dwarf for its ninth series, forcing a ten-year hiatus. In the meantime, the show's first three series were remastered for VHS. There was an official webcomic released in 2005. Fun. And an animated Christmas special released exclusively on mobile phones in 2007. What? Which is the most 2007 things to say. I want to find it. An animated Christmas special released exclusively to mobile phones. How long was the Christmas special? I don't know. This sounds like an amazing thing. Yeah. So that that exists. (laughs) Alright, the show was revived in 2009 for a three-part series called Red Dwarf Back to Earth. On the Dave Network. Dave! Dave has some of the greatest. That, that's a real channel. Yeah. Dave! I love Dave. Um, the series brought in record ratings for Dave. <laughs> Good job, Dave. Good job, Dave. They're not all dead, Dave. They're not. <laughs> all your ratings aren't dead, Dave. Your ratings are off the charts, Dave. <laughs> okay, so it's interesting. Like, it was revived in 2009, mm. but it's still a continu- continuation of the same show. They consider this the same show in its continuity, right? Right. Unlike in Doctor Who, there's a split from like classic Doctor Who to the revamped Doctor Who in whatever, 2005, whenever it came back. Mm-hmm. It, it's two different shows. With Red Dwarf, it's all one show. Why do you think it's two different shows for Doctor Who? Because that's what the internet tells me it is. The internet's according to, lying According to, to Wikipedia and production notes, they are two separate shows with two different... like. I know it's the same continuity, but apparently it's different shows. I, I don't know, man. I don't know okay, the rules. Okay, I, I think like that. The definition of that is weird because if it was a completely different show, then the ninth Doctor wouldn't be the ninth Doctor, which is what we start off with. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't make doctor. the rules on somebody in the BBC made this rule, and that's what they're saying. They, the BBC uh, is lying. as far as production goes, it's a different show. No, I don't know. It's the same show. Is it on Dave? I don't know. <laughs> I live here. In this on this continent that doesn't have a Dave. Okay, so the sh- the show continued on for three more series throughout the 2010s, culminating in the 2020 feature length special called Red Dwarf: The Promised Land. Huh. They made the it to Fuja. Fuja. Was it Fushal? Fushal. Yeah, that was this year. How about that? Oh wow! I definitely want to watch that. Catch it. Uh, Red Dwarf spawned four spin-off novels, a tabletop role playing game, and a few video games. Additionally, Australian theater group Black Yak has stage has done stage adaptations. That sounds amazing. Which were in, were officially endorsed by Grant Naylor Productions, which was the Ay. production company of the show, um, for select episodes produced from 2002 to 2006. That so, sounds like fun. Yeah, I, I'd love to go look those up. And uh, according to Doug Naylor, uh, he wrote a script for a film version of Red Dwarf in 1999, but the project the the project was shelved due to inadequate funding. Hmm. And I guess that's why he just went out, went ahead to revive the show when it was time anyway. So I, I don't think they're going to do a film. They already did one. They did the feature like special oh, yeah. this year. So there's really no point to do another like film version, I don't think. And uh, here's something you may not know. Two different pilots were produced for an American version of Red Dwarf in 1992. No! <laughs> as far as I can tell, they're not online anywhere. Like you can't view them, but you can view clips that they, like, put into, like, a, a Red Dwarf documentary or something. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, just little clips of what an American Red Dwarf would have looked like. Oh, gosh. I hate when they... Like, I mean, there are some shows that cross over, and they're fine. It's fine. It's fine. But they were just like... Did you know they tried to make a Doctor Who? An American, American Doctor Who? Do you know who... Starring Lucy Liu? No. Do you, do you want to know who the Doctor was supposed to be? 
He liked Jello and wore sweaters. <laughs> Bill Cosby. Oh my god. <laughs> exactly. I'm the first doctor. Oh man. Pudding. Oh man. <laughs> Let's kick Lisa Bonet off a show. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Just Jim Cummings as the doctor. That would be great. Um, uh, yeah, that's it for do- that's it for Red Dwarf. That's all I got. Um, you recommend it? I recommend it. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Like it's on. You can probably find it on. Uh, we have it. We watched it on Amazon. Um, it's on. It's on Daily Motion. Oh, it's also. I wasn't gonna say that. Yeah, but it is on Daily Motion and Amazon, and uh, you can yeah, just give it a, give it a watch. Buy them DVDs if you can. Buy them. We don't have DVDs in the year of our Lord 2020. That's true. <laughs> but with all that said, I think it's easy to say just one TV. Oh, 100%. Because we could at least remember. Winnie <laughs> didn't stand a chance. No, no, he did not. But I will take this win. As yeah. I, I'm just sweeping the 80s, even though it is really not my decade. I won music of 1988. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to disagree. You did. But I'm sweeping the 80s. Yeah, you did. This half a decade is mine. Uh, You want to talk about runner-ups? Yeah, let's do it. What do you got? All right. So uh, um, for you, uh, we had America's Most Wanted. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so this is is actually an interesting story here. We we were looking through the TV shows of 1988, right? And uh, Pooh Bear is definitely the number one, but like... It wasn't as it it, it 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 was closer than you would think it would be because <laughs> it was a ritual every Saturday night for my mom and dad and when I I guess when I was old enough to care me as well to sit down watch an hour of cops on Saturday night and an hour of America's Most Wanted that was just a thing we did <sighs> my dad loved watching cops and he loved watching America's Most Wanted John Walsh was his boy oh gosh. Um, Propaganda. Yeah. So it, it, here's the thing: we were looking through the clips, right? And America, it was all the thing. Cops, America's Most Wanted, right? Right. There was a 1988 show called Cops that was released. So I saw the word Cops, and I then I saw the words America's Most Wanted. I assumed it was the the bad boys' bed, right? I assumed, what you go do? I assumed that's what the cops it was. So that went on my list for runners up. Mm-hmm. No. There is a cartoon series called Cops as an acronym. I had never seen it or heard of this Cops. So when we looked into 1989, we saw that, no, the Bad Boys, Bad Boys Cops was released in 1989. Mm -hmm. And then it was paired with America's Most Wanted for Fox. Yeah. Um, Just an interesting story. Yeah. But America's Most Wanted, legit, closer to the Winnie the Pooh than you might think. (laughs) Which, uh, was this the year that we accidentally watched it? We did accidentally watch Cops. It was not great, y'all. We'll talk about that in 1989 when, with Runners Up. And then, a pup named Scooby-Doo. Yep, so, uh... I've never seen a single episode of that show. Yeah, this is in the time when, uh, Hanna-Barbera was trying to rebrand their image. They thought, people aren't watching classic Flintstones and because Scooby-Doo and Jetsons because, uh... Yogi Bear, they're not watching that stuff. Because there's a lot of mansplaining in it. It's old. So they retooled all of their cartoons as little kids. They're all late 80s kids, 90s kids, you know, backwards hats and all that stuff. So Pup Named Scooby-Doo, from what I understand, is probably the best one of those shows. It's better than uh, Flintstones Kids, for sure. Mm. It's better than Yo-Yogi. I don't know. It's better than (laughs) Godzuki. What's that? It's the Godzilla baby show. What? Yeah. What? I think Pup Named Scooby-Doo is better than Muppet Babies, too. 
Why is there a Kid Godzilla show? Why does that exist? I don't know. What does it do? Go to the park and slam into stuff? You should listen to its uh, theme song. Katsuki. (laughs) Why? I don't know. Why, Hanna-Barbera? What are you runners up? I don't have any. Oh. (laughs) I was not... 80s media was not for me. If Red Dwarf didn't exist, what would we be watching for you? We literally, we literally didn't write anything else down. Mm. We literally, because nothing else. So, good job, Britain. You saved us. <laughs> you saved this show from being an utter failure. An utter failure. Did I don't think Full House came out in eighty. I, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I just I'm threw sure. it. I just threw an eighty. Yeah, I was just like, that's know. definitely somewhere. Who knows? Who knows? We don't know. Maybe <laughs> we said it last year or something. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, moral of the story is like, yeah. Yeah, just like music. I didn't really have... All my runners-up were just... I've heard one song right. on the radio. I TV, yo. Fact check, Full House came out in 87. Year before. Yeah, that's been um, our look into 88 TV. Yeah. Uh, would, you like to, would you like to plug anything, my love? Yes, I do. Um, so, if you like my voice and you want to hear more, um, I have a web show called Keep Kayfabe. It's a wrestling show. We follow the careers and... Uh, careers and characters of our favorite wrestlers so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in check us out there on youtube at youtube.com slash keep kayfabe kayfabe is spelled k-a-y-f-a-b-e you can see the stuff i write i write for a video game website called zeldadungeon.net if you like the legend of zelda you'll like it and yeah that's all i got oh follow me on twitter um <laughs> at rod the master and you can follow this show at media made show on twitter as well yeah um, as for me, if you want to check out anything I'm doing, I am Taming Tales on YouTube, uh, where I put up stories and sometimes poetry and sometimes book club stuff. It's honestly a catch-all for whatever I feel like. <laughs> it's what I want to put up there. So you can uh, check me out there if you would like to. I'm not on Twitter. And uh, if you like if you like what you listen to, we appreciate you listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please leave us a review on iTunes. Um, Leave a comment on whatever uh, podcast machine you may be using. Uh, Send us a tweet. Whatever it is, let us know you're listening to the show. Let us know you enjoy it. Um, Thank you for listening. We invite you to do the same thing that we're doing right here. Go go through a list of every TV show in 1988. Decide which one you saw the most of. Was it one of ours? Was it something different? Let us know. Uh, Do it with a loved one. Mm -hmm. And if we are your loved ones, definitely tweet at us so that we can (laughs) share in it with you. (laughs) Tell us what media made you. That's all we got. Um... So we're going to close out with the ending theme to Red Dwarf. It's so good. It's, uh, I guess it's performed by a singer named Jenna Russell. I think it was written by uh, the show's composer, Howard Goodall. But that's that's what we're going to leave you with. So with that... What's the title of the song? I don't know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bop, though. It's it fun. is a bop. I enjoy the song a lot. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for listening. We'll see you in 1989. Night, kids. Bye.